Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I am joined today both by Cameron and Leonard. We are all back together, which yeah. was not the case last time, or was it? I, I don't, I don't remember. Um, uh, it was a partly, partly the case. Yes, yeah. Cameron <laughs> fell asleep halfway through the episode. He's yeah, been, that happens. He's been affected with uh, <laughs> narcolepsy. The the criminal. Uh, uh, fauna that surrounds cameron at all times <laughs> they take his money and they take his sleep they they yeah, they, they, really they, they they demand that he leave the show on occasion there, there have been a number of incidents that i've not talked about over the years um, <laughs> oh god actually i don't think i ever told any of you guys there was this one instance where i woke up because uh, i felt i woke up i felt something on my and um Sort of woke up, was like, oh, I wonder what that was. Sort of brushed my face off uh, and nothing seemed to be there. And then the second I laid my head down, a cockroach tried to crawl into my ear. Uh, it's, that's, it's a running that's problem. No <laughs> it's no good. It's just, it ain't, this ain't it. <laughs> I'm not up for this. You're going to need uh, to sleep with earmuffs. I or mean, earplugs. Earplugs may be safer. If, if I fall asleep at the podcasting table, It'll all be fine. It's what I'm hearing. Well, well, folks, that's been Monster Dear Monster because there's nothing yeah. more horrifying than that story. So episode over, I guess. Yay. But we've only we've only just begun. Um this podcast, thanks this podcast for is deemed the... too disturbing for the public record. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasant dreams, everyone. Pleasant dreams. Yes. Oh, it's Cameron is Cameron is Cameron is still missing. And yeah, we're all going to going out to bite your plugs now. Yeah, that's fair. Stay safe, kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Okay. Um, in, <laughs> not really. In uh, arguably less horrifying news, uh, we are mm. taking a look today at the 2005 film Noroi, The Curse. Uh, this was directed by Koji Shiraishi and is a found footage bonanza um it's it's something but uh (laughs) but before we get to that it is our tradition our customary Mm. yokai of the week time our our ritual if you will we yes (laughs) it keeps away the yokai that we talk about each episode But there's a lot more to go through, so you're <laughs> you're always in danger yeah. unless you listen to the next episode to uh, protect yourself from yet one more yokai. Yep, yep, got to learn the secret technique. Um, so this is a long-standing tradition on the show. We have a big old list of yokai uh, from which we randomly generate a number and pick one to talk about. Uh, this week, we have cycled through the alphabet for the a millionth time, and we're back on the letter A for all these yokai. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, in the long-standing tradition of the show, uh, Dave, roll them. Five. Oh, number five. It's easy to count. It's like 30 goddamn yokai in this section. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in A. Mm. We'll, we'll be back next year with it. <laughs> when we get back around to it. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, so we have the, uh, the Akaname. 
it is a Japanese yokai from the Gazo Hyaki Yagyo. Uh, the name translates as filth liquor. They are stated to lick the filth that collects in bathtubs and bathrooms. Oh, I've seen this movie. <laughs> Wasn't this the Silent Hill movie? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colin, he's back. Yeah, Colin's back. Uh, <laughs> um, yep, yep. So in classic depictions, these yokai appear as children with clawed feet and cropped heads uh, by the bath place sticking out a long tongue. These so depictions... children. So children. Yeah, so children. Okay. So real children. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> these depictions do not feature any kind of explanation, so anything related to them can only be inferred. But in the Edo period Kaidan book, Kokon Hyakumonogatari Hyoban, there are writings about a yokai called the Akaneburi. Uh, neburi means to lick. And it's inferred that the Akaname is a depiction of this Akaneburi. It's the same yokai, different name for a different era. Um, <laughs> according to the Kokon Hyakumonogatari Hyoban, surprisingly managed to get that. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> don't know how I did that. Um, the Akaneburi is a monster that lives in bathhouses and are said to lurk in dilapidated estates. Uh, at those times, it was believed that fish were born from water and lice were born from dirt. And seeing how fish intake water and lice eat dirt, all things were thus believed to eat the material that spawns them. So the <laughs> kids lick filth. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> the Akaneburi being the ones that transform the air of the places that gather dust and filth and therefore live by eating filth. Yeah, oh, obviously. Yeah. As you do. But yes, like that. Children are terribly filthy creatures so it's fair uh, <laughs> uh Leonard, would you like to take the next section uh yes uh, <laughs> uh in <clears throat> let's let's get ready let's get ready audience uh in literature about yokai from the periods of uh show showa uh hinsai and and beyond and beyond, it sounds kind of like Batman and, and beyond. beyond. <laughs> uh, Akadame and Akenubori were interpreted the same way as above. Uh, paragraph, I'm assuming. These yeah. <laughs> interpretations state that Akaname is a yokai that lives in old bat. Wait, did you read this? Am I just yeah, no, this is a no, you're, you're paragraph. Good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> Lives in old bathhouses and dilapidated buildings uh, that would sneak into places at night when people were asleep, as usual, and used uh, and lick using long tongue at the filth and grime sticking to bathroom places and bathtubs. It doesn't do anything other than lick the filth. That's I like I really like mm. that one, uh, but uh, but but <laughs> but since yokai were considered creepy to see in any case, <laughs> it is said that people worked hard to ensure that bath places and bathtubs are washed clean so that Akaname wouldn't come. That, <laughs> uh, yes, that makes sense. Let's just clean all your stuff so you won't see the creepy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not hurting anyone. He's just sitting there menacingly. Uh 
<laughs> there were none who saw what Akan, uh, Akaname truly were, but since Aka can remind people of the color red, Aka in J Japanese, they are said to have red faces or be entirely red. Also, Aka, meaning filth, so red filth, got it, mm -hmm. uh, also has the connotations to the idea of impurities, such as depravities, sins, or worldly desires. That one of those is not like the other. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and other things that are not necessary. Which leads to the theory that it wasn't simply a lesson to keep back places clean, but also to keep such impurities from lurking in one's own self. Unless you want to be licked. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yep, is the lesson. The lesson that we yeah. yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> um, and I mean, a side note: apparently, the Pokemon Lickitung is based on the Akaname because it's got clawed feet and a big long tongue. Uh, I would believe it. <laughs> and they like to lick. They yep. like to lick very much. It's in the name. <laughs> it's it's literally just their name. It's it's exactly mm. what mm. they do. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Dave, do the ancient scrolls hold any knowledge? <laughs> the scrolls hold knowledge. There has been an entry in the night parade of 100 demons. Oh, of the Akaname. Okay. Akaname. Translation. Filth liquor. Habitat. <laughs> dirty baths. Filthy toilets. Abandoned homes. <laughs> diet. Slime. Mold. <laughs> scum. <laughs> Hair, human waste, etc. <laughs> there, there's more. Just etc. <laughs> we'll just leave that to your imagination. Um, appearance. Akaname are small, goblin-like yokai, which inhabit only the dirtiest homes and public baths. <laughs> they are about the size of a child or a small adult, though they generally appear much smaller due to their hunching posture. Akaname have mop, uh, mops, have a mop of greasy, slimy hair on the tops of their heads. Their bodies are naked, and their skin is greasy like their hair. Akaname come in many colors. <laughs> They're so gross. They're so dirty. Akaname <laughs> come in many colors and varieties, ranging from a dark mottled green reminiscent of mold to the ruddy pink of bed sores. Uh, evocative. They come in both one-eyed and two-eyed varieties, and can have anywhere from one to five fingers and toes. Mm. All Akaname have an extremely long, sticky tongue. They use this to lap up the slime, grease, hair, and other filth found in bathhouses and behind toilets. Behavior. Like cockroaches, rats, lice, and other pests, Akaname detest clean, well-kept homes. They only appear where the owners show a complete lack of sanitary discipline. Akaname are shy and stay clear of humans, scattering in the light like cockroaches. They spread, that's even more horror. So there's, there could be many of them and they're child-sized. Um, they spread disease, so it's a good idea to keep bathrooms and houses clean enough that the Akaname do not wish to settle down. And there's a little picture from behind the bathtub. It comes to lick. It's, oh. This picture has like the one-toed variety. 
that's even more disturbing <laughs> than you can think. <laughs> so, like, imagine a horse hoof, but mm-hmm. instead of a hoof, it's like one pointy toe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not pleasant. Um, that is the entry from the Night Parade of One Hundred Demons. There we go. <laughs> that Next. was gross. Yeah, it was yeah. disturbing and a wonderful segue into the thing that we are going to cover, which also <laughs> is disturbing. Yes, mm-hmm. the curse, yeah. no Roy. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that's my sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything spookier. Um, so this. This movie, uh, I was, I took the time, prior, far far prior. This is last year um, when I when I had first mm. watched this, uh, to try and track down a few of the director's other films because when I first saw this, this this is a, I feel this is a, a phenomenal entry into the found footage, which the genre itself has become quite stale, and I think it's telling that this is a two thousand five film. So yep. I think at the height of the found footage wave um this is like the pinnacle of what you can get out of these i found a few that are more that are more recent that may equal this but it's tough um it's it's been done to to death i guess is is the case Mm. um so i I took a look at the director's other films and like noroi is to the found footage genre this film I guess is to the pinnacle of his directorial efforts. Um, his other movies mm. basically aren't as good as this one. Okay. And that's yeah. probably the fault of myself watching this first and not watching <laughs> it. Maybe, maybe by comparison, maybe the other movies aren't as bad, but um, mm. this just, yeah. it hit all the right notes. And I don't think he was able to replicate what he accomplished um, with this film. Mm-hmm. And that's, basically an unrelated <laughs> note having nothing to do with um, anything we're concerned with but um just personal observation um mm. had either of you seen this prior to us watching it for the, the podcast i had nope. not <laughs> of course i asked this question knowing the answer to it already but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Without going into any of the plot, what was your overall impression of the film as a whole, Cameron? Um, I was pretty—I would say pretty enamored with it. It's really, like you said, good. Um, I'm usually not as big a fan of the sort of found footage style films as more traditional horror films. Uh, kind of what I prefer. Um, I think I think something about watching um the shaky camera usually gets to me but uh this one was a lot more compelling than a lot of others it's also um quite long is how i put it it's basically a two-hour film which feels pretty long in comparison to a lot of other found footage style stuff i've watched um but yeah i I really liked it it was always just that little bit creepy which i think is the, the good sort of point for found footage to be at where it's not always full-blown running around action and terrible terrifying things happen no it's it's like better for that more subtle day-to-day horror kind of thing because you know it it puts you more immersed there like here's some creepy stuff happening in a normal neighborhood well normal japanese neighborhood 
but you know um yeah I, I thought it was pretty good and how about yourself leonard um it's uh it's really it's 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 probably the most convincing found footage uh film mm-hmm. that i've ever seen there's a, a, a real emphasis on the, the the aesthetic of the film and how it looks that really drives that. Oh yeah, this is actually like found footage. Um, also, the way that it's presented, we'll get into it when we when we start discussing it. But the way that mm. that the, that the overarching narrative is presented in this film, um, because they take um, um, they take some um, make some interesting decisions on. Uh, delivery is also mm. really effective as well um I, I was actually really unsettled up until like one very specific point that kind of broke me out of like oh no this is actually this is totally a movie as opposed mm. to i'm just watching a really long episode of unsolved mysteries um <laughs> um but yeah i found it really effective um and i i think it's prob I think it's probably like as one as as somebody that also doesn't particularly care for found footage films. I think this is probably my favorite found footage movie I've seen so far. <laughs> for for me, I think some of this has to do with um, the subject matter. Uh, this isn't. Um, it's not like a riff on say paranormal activity. Um, mm this is a little bit more like the ritual yeah um if we were mm. comparing the the subject of the found footage because this is this at its heart is folk horror it's not um general like ghosts like this, mm, this, yeah. this is a very yeah. specific thing that ties into um traditions and um how those traditions uh, are not influenced by modernity but upset by progress like Mm -hmm. the the things that people do to advance society uh tend to erode or crush um folk tradition it's it's Mm -hmm. yeah in the name of progress it's um in this case it is uh buried under a dam this you know flood has changed the landscape (laughs) Um, Mm. and that's that's kind of at the heart of what this is. Uh, And it has to do, I think with um, technology and society um, sort of isolating people from other people. Mm -hmm. So some of the themes in this are echoed in, in films like uh, pulse and cure um, other notable horror films, horror sci-fi, I guess of the era that came out in about, about the same mm. time and that at, that at its heart made this for me like far more interesting um than had it just been uh like a spooky ghost you know well done kind of ghost story right mm. Mm. so the plot the plot of this is basically it boils down to um there is a a, a a documentary filmmaker, um, Kobayashi Masafumi. He is making a documentary on like paranormal activities, like psychic mm. kind of things. And in the course of him doing one sort of film, 
uh, his work, I think, changes accordingly because of what he's coincidentally running into um, during his uh, search for interviews and, and kind of building his own his own film up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. a it's a uh, an unfortunate accidental um, uh, collision with the world of the, the supernatural, basically yeah. for for our protagonist who is um, the the uh, documentarian. Right. I, I think it's important to note that um, <laughs> that there's no there's no uh, there's no grift with this character. There's no scam. There's it's all legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the entire film is is presented as found footage, so there are no like cutaway interstitial scenes no. that mm. are non diegetic. It is all yeah footage in yeah. universe. The mm. everything that we as the viewer are witnessing is the edited footage of of the the film of the documentarian. Yes, yeah, yeah. presented. It's not even posthumous. It's like a, that's part of the mystery. He he, he disappears. Mm. We do not know what happens to him. It's not explained. Um, yeah, which is good. Uh, yes, <laughs> and it adds to the authenticity of this film as a found footage film. For the most part, there there's also footage within footage. It's found section mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Be- because he's using um, or. It's not even him. Uh, we don't know the extent of what he was able to edit with this film. It feels like it's kind of mm. post-processing on behalf of his, um, maybe his production company. Right. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're not we're not given that far of an insight into it. But um, other things incidental that may have appeared on TV at the time of him doing this documentary <laughs> are included in, they're like woven into um, mm. the mm. the tapestry of the film as evidence to support like the, the what he's witnessing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's not his thesis he's doing. It's just stuff that supports what happened to give us, the viewer, a better idea of what he's experiencing is I think the right. intent of it. And I and I think that these the that the segments completely divorced from his own personal investigation really nail that that found footage this is mm. his real situation because he's once again he's completely divorced from that footage for the most part so it just feels like oh yeah this is tenuous tenuous threads connected to one another but it's also really effectively creepy mm. yeah yeah and they're and they're variety they're like aged age specific um variety show excerpts so it feels it makes this a sign of its times um, yep yeah you're, you're yeah. not gonna watch this going oh this could happen now it's like this oh yeah definitely. this is set in 2004 um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but with it's 2000 yeah. with, with with 1986 technology because man those cameras <laughs> that film grain it that 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 vhs grain is real effective in every single Look, shot he's yeah. doing japan's version of buzzfeed unsolved i don't think he good uh yeah yeah. you're not you're not getting like this kind of uh red mm. camera clean you know cleaned up or uh added filter feeling 
Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Definitely. But at the same time, his his documentary, um, the the film crew, I think it's just one one dude. But yeah, uh, yeah. they they put the effort in to make this not feel like um, a handy cam. Yeah. Yes. You know, you're yeah. you're getting at least a some kind of decent budget quality of uh, documentary mm. and film mm. work. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that that puts this at a little bit higher level than something that's supposed to be found footage from someone's home video camera or the plague of uh, people just shoving their house full of security cameras. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, not, you're not dealing with that. And you're also, we, we got some, I think of the, the polish similar to this um, with, uh, well, now the name's escaping me because this happened. This happened sometimes. Um, the the Jin movies. Dob. Yes. Uh, um, the first one specifically <laughs> felt like Noroi, like mm-hmm. how it's mm-hmm. trading on the found footage, but from a documentary style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that I think that lends credibility to what they're presenting this as. Um. Mm. So I guess we'll just sort of get into it. We have our our main character, Kobayashi Masafumi. He's doing his um, documentary. We are introduced um, initially to uh, Marika. Um, mm. She is a, uh, a budding actress, um, but also has mild uh, psychic powers. Um, and she's, she's part of a, um, she's, I guess, been hired out or working with a small group of um kind of it feels like they're variety show hosts kind of guys but it mm. feels like uh early youtube personality like there's that doesn't exist yeah. here but yeah. that's what it's being presented as is uh, you know mm. it's guys that are uh going to haunted places and just doing yep. crazy stuff and mm. so these are the um mm. the ungirls uh, <laughs> the ungirls, two dudes that keep letting you know they are yeah. the ungirls. They are, yeah, they are yep. proto uh, like and subscribing. And, um, and I, I, I really love that they are just like I look at these two characters, these two guys, mm. and I'm just like, yep, you are absolutely the type of guys that would like, oh, maybe we can get famous doing this. Like everything about <laughs> about their posture and their look and their performance. Mm. Mm. Um, and one thing that I think uh, should just be stated outright, I think all of the performances in this movie are pretty spot on fantastic. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Um, so it feels like, like actual, just like kind of nobody like YouTubers with a camera somehow just got like a, like a C tier actress that people probably recognize from television to do their like goofy, like ghost hunting mm. nonsense. It's so yeah. it all feels like very real, um, mm, which definitely. makes, makes, yeah. makes the later occurrences spoopier. <laughs> it, it does. And the, the casting for this film in particular, um, the director, or I guess the, 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 the casting director specifically, went out of their way to find caricatures. Like, the, yes. all of the people mm. in this have a very specific uh, look about them. Yep. 
um and mm. it's they're like they're like typified by how they appear is what you you kind of it makes it more authentic because what you see is what you get yeah, yeah. they they all embody like an archetype of what they're representing um <laughs> We'll 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 get to the wise toad later on. <laughs> Rude. Um, yeah. So the ungirls, the ungirls, and their mm. um, their star power, uh, Marika. They go visit a shrine um, because it's spooky, and they heard that there was mm-hmm. ghosts or something. Uh, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't really dig into the hows and whys, but um, we are treated to the the footage within the footage so as mm. viewers were given a glimpse of what is happening like as it's happening uh yeah. what the, what this film does smartly is kind of go back over things and highlight um what you may have missed or what wasn't <laughs> obvious to the people in the scene yep yeah like, as it's occurring yeah. and it's like they were there, and there was a spooky thing that they didn't even see. But mm, we have the mm. we have the uh, the benefit of hindsight and video editing capabilities yeah. to show you uh, what really went on. So here's yeah. a slow mo and a hard pull <laughs> in, and then we're gonna, yeah, oh, we're gonna give love, you some still frames. Shots, <laughs> they, like, it, it, stop, zoom into the right corner of the screen. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, and here comes Robert Stack's narration. <laughs> so what it what it kind of turns out to be is that um, Marika she has her her she has a sort of psychic um, uh, sensitivity uh, and can mm. hear. I don't think she can see. I think she can hear. Um, no, sort of paranormal, supernatural things. And, yes, um, she says she hears a. A spooky man voice um doesn't know what he's saying but it's spooky and then she kind of blanks out and that this is a reoccurring thing to her she is prone to um possession i guess is what we're gonna go mm, with yeah. um yeah. and she'll she'll experience these bouts of um uh losing her consciousness but still performing um some task uh, yes, and and that's mm-hmm. in evidence here in this in this first scene. She, in hindsight of watching the film, didn't realize that she had lost her consciousness and is going, "I don't remember anything past a certain point." And yep. she's mm-hmm. still there, talking and you know doing stuff. Um, yeah, and it's the what occurs is spooky enough that the um the the ungirls and Marika like they they. Scooby Doo out of there, <laughs> like they leave um, <laughs> yeah, wisely. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that this movie does is it, uh, in general, all of the characters act reasonably. Yes, yeah. for the most yeah. part, they they do things that aren't beyond the realm of what you would do in that situation. They're not mm. they're not doing stupid things and going to check out spooky stuff for the most part yeah and, and yeah, if and if part. that does occur and they are doing it it's for like a different reason mm. right than mm. trying to like oh there's something scary we're gonna go look at it it's more like something else is important is more important mm. than us being scared yeah yeah and that yeah, is what definitely. elevates i think this film 
up mm. up up into the ranks of like I must see. I would say I would. I'm uh, highly <laughs> recommending this just in uh, in general. Mm. Yeah. All, yeah, all all of the all of the actions uh are really appear to be in service of the the betterment of somebody else's life from mm. from from the supernatural whatever um <laughs> once again they don't they don't even they don't even state whether or not the cases that he's he's uh he's investigated before have been turned out to be real or fake it's all all he is is that he's a he's a paranormal investigator who makes these mm. documentaries there's no yeah. value judgment given to his work so everything that you see you see of him seems in service of actually helping the people that he's dealing with yeah mm. he's not yeah. um he's not in this as far as we're concerned to question the valid the validity of his own research he he i believe believes in what he's doing if not the what actually happens right like he, he's less concerned with if a thing is truly paranormal versus what its effects have on other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know um which again makes this more relatable and you can you're not um he's uh he's his his personality as it's presented is like a likable thing he's not as you mentioned, mm. he's not like a jerk or a charlatan trying to to one up or one over people, right? You know, he's doing yeah. legitimate as he sees it research, in, in right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he gets caught up in the human equation and his his mm. feelings for stuff. I think does end up clouding like his judgment, like yeah. for for mm. sure. Um, yep. But oh, yeah. not yeah. in a way that doesn't make sense. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely reasonable what he does near the end of the film, even if it's definitely unwise. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's there's nothing, when we get to that, there's nothing to show him uh, otherwise. Right. Mm. Like, he's, play, yeah. he's playing w- uh, according to what's happened and not mm. what ifs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we are we have Marika and um, uh, Masafumi, and then we are introduced to um, Kana. Uh, she mm-hmm. is a young uh, child with psychic powers and is mm-hmm. part of another, it wasn't even a variety show, it's just a, a psychic test show that they just did. Mm. Um, it, it, yeah. it, it, it has my it has my favorite thing the 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 the, the psychic investigators presented to this room of children he tells them that they're just going to do a, <laughs> do an experiment on ESP that there's a canister with a piece of paper and that they just want you to draw what's on it and then it's the hard cut to like effects title screen <laughs> ESP and I'm like yep there you go you sold mm. me already sold yeah. me on the scene oh this yeah yeah feels super accurate yeah mm. it um it sort of seems as kind of like what they play with in the very first ghostbusters film mm-hmm. um that sort of show but this is like they're taking it seriously yeah yeah like completely yeah. serious <laughs> like they're 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 doing a scientific study on ESP research. 
but mm-hmm. for a TV show. So there is the yeah, the, those those kind of weird production values embedded into it, and it's <laughs> but it's played straight. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But you're also like that because it's played that way. It's it's totally. It's, it's really a, it's funny. A, yeah, it's funny, <laughs> but kind of on purpose. Like they're kind of hamming it up for the TV production, but still trying oh, to yeah. do the experiment. Yeah, right. I guess is right what, is mm-hmm. what we're supposed to take from it. Yeah. Um, of the children, there's I don't know twenty kids. Um, yeah. Kana is consistently getting um, the images from the hidden papers, like she's drawing replicas of whatever mm. the, the things are and they're they're fairly accurate as far as yeah what she's doing um they're like to scale and everything yeah. and up, up until yeah it's interesting up until a point where uh there's a series of like characters that are written and um she draws something completely different uh mm. and they they use that as a sign of her losing her touch or she's tired or her abilities aren't working mm. when yeah really it's the opposite she's like so fine-tuned at that point that she's pulling mm. in stuff that she should not have <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah and, and what, and what me... she yeah and what she draws oh. is an image of mm. uh a, a mask we find out uh, yeah uh, it's yeah. Uh, it, it's a very unpleasant spooky ghost face. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that that actually got me a little bit because they're like um in the canister it's like it's the russian word in cyrillic for star and she drew the weird mask and it looked a little like the traditional like gray alien face i'm like oh are we gonna are we going ufo weirdness <laughs> in this in this footage film because i mean there's no ufo as far as i can tell um but yeah no it, it's interesting to see um brain turned off for a second ironically enough um yeah it's interesting to see this kind of thing because like i said that they're taking it like really seriously and then like that that's a reasonable psychic power test and then the next test is okay materialize water inside a sealed container i'm like is that a psychic power (laughs) it is now (laughs) i guess it is now (laughs) um because they're looking at uh uh esp and um like psychometry they're like it's it's the whole gamut like yeah yeah potential power you could have they're like trying to research it all at once which is kind of weird but Mm. um she she does she manifests uh brackish water in a beaker yep Mm. and water with a hair in it a single hair hair that tests have determined a beast would be great, but uh, hair that yeah. is potentially from a newborn. Yep. Um, yep. And the water is lake water. Yep. Both yep. of these things are highly <laughs> significant and just as significant as the figure she drew, all of which have no context at this point and mm-hmm. um, are are brushed aside by the and, yeah, and, research. Yeah. And also super creepy. They're, yeah, they're all oh, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we as viewers go, something's weird here. But yep. yeah, in the yeah. context of the um the the show she's on is dismissed as like not important. Aside from mm. the fact that she yeah. materialized water, they were very impressed yeah, with that. That's the but they're like, yeah, 
why is it lake water? Why is it hair? Who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but it does. It does matter a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And then next we are uh, we're reintroduced to Marika, um, who shows up mm. on another um, midnight variety show uh, on <laughs> psychic powers. Uh, like these, these shows are all very interesting. Like I would like to watch. I would be I would be down with watching these shows as they like mm. if they were mm. real and occurred. Right. Like they look oh, a lot yeah. of, they look like a lot of fun. Um <laughs> but uh the uh, they have a guest star on this um uh show and someone uh be, be, she's brought there because of the footage she had with the ungirls became like a viral sensation or something and yeah uh, with yeah. within those small communities and um they bring in another psychic, a stronger psychic, the strongest <laughs> psychic in Japan um to to take a look at her and see I, yeah, I just, if there's some kind of issue. Go ahead. I just yeah. want to mention that this is like was my first moment of 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 foundception because <laughs> because the scene starts off with you watching that shrine footage and then mm. it, it cuts and it's a screen raises up and it's like, oh, this was being projected. Oh, where am I? I don't yeah. know where I am. I don't know what's going yeah. on. It's it's super <laughs> disorientating. And then mm. you settle in and realize, okay, so now that now this is just footage of a different location of a group yeah. of people watching the footage that we had just watched. Yeah, yeah. And then in on the wings of Dvorak's wonderful music comes the best character in the film. Uh Tori Mitsuo, the most powerful psychic in Japan, with his aluminum foil hat and aluminum foil coat, and I yep. love him. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 very skittish um, for a specific mm. reason. And, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's 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 good. He's a good guy. Yep. Um, yeah, his intentions Absolutely are well good. <laughs> very well acted. Um, good guy, too psychic. He, yeah, yes, yeah. He, if anything was uh, the flaw, was he just was too powerful for his own good. Yep. <laughs> and everyone else is good, I guess. Um, so yeah, he yeah. he meets with Marika, and the meeting lasts all of five seconds because he becomes d- disturbed by what yep. he encounters. Mm-hmm. And, and immediately attacks her. <laughs> and he's not even attacking, he's warning her, but he's just... Mm. The the flip side of um no no personal space yeah yeah like he's yeah. just up in her space trying to Gotta tell make sure her she gets the message yeah, yeah she needs the memo um <laughs> because there are ectoplasmic worms and they are there are also they're, pigeons out to get and pigeons there's <laughs> pigeons out to get her so all kinds of there's dangers from multiple fronts um. Mm. So he's, he's of course, escorted <laughs> off the show and left to kind of that. Like, we're not, mm. we're given the idea that, yes, he's this powerful guy, but really, maybe he's just crazy. Um, yep. Yeah. And <laughs> that's that's all we're given at the time. Mm. And so it just feels like a fluke. But it's, again, as with everything in this, it's very purposefully done. Um, it's enough to disturb Marika. Yep. And, and I guess I'll be mm. the host mm. of the show because they, they brought some dude on that just <laughs> accost their other <laughs> guest. Um, uh, I think what happens next? There's another random interview um, from some other show uh, trying to find out information on Hori 
and um, this gives us a little bit more insight into sort of why he is how he is and uh, a little bit more time for him to portray himself um, uh, as more than just like a tinfoil hatted conspiracy theorist because that's kind of how it comes off in the, in the initial part but really he's a man that's afraid yep he's yeah. afraid and yeah. he's sequestered himself from society and from outside influences his whole it's not just his coat and his hat it's his whole home is tinfoiled mm. up to the to the nines <laughs> and um is scroll he he's psychic but he also has the powers of like automatic writing Mm. Um, yeah. and uh, maybe remote viewing. So yeah. he has cool. He has he he is the most powerful psychic. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a very very powerful man. Um, mm. Unfortunately, he's also been rendered like uh, skittish and yeah, unsociable, unable, and to all function. kinds. Of, he cannot function in society. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a he's a full on level seven uh, Lovecraft protagonist by the time we meet. <laughs> Oh yes, he's he's seen he's things. Dug too deep. He did, <laughs> and now the space worms are out to get him. Yep. Mm, yeah. Um, Gotta watch out for those. <laughs> watch out for them, uh, space worms. Uh, that interview is sort of because it, it it cuts itself short. Um, it's backed to backed by uh, an, an actual successful interview, sort of. Uh, I guess mm. by um, uh, Kobayashi. He shows up. There's a little bit of stuff happens in between, but it's not as important. So he shows up kind of we're we're given a little bit of insight into her home life with her um, with her parents. And she's by and large a um, well-adjusted girl. But recently, Mm -hmm. actually, after the uh, the episode on TV where she drew that spooky face um, and summoned up uh, gross water, um, she's been having. Uh, trouble. She's been sort of maladjusted uh, to her mm. her her, her talking to people that aren't yes. there. Um, yeah, and uh, and so she's disappeared. Is is yep. issue? Yeah. She's gone. Her parents say that she's been meeting with a tinfoil clad man, yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who she who she assures them is harmless. Like he's not intent on hurting her. Um, but that's who yeah. she was last seen in the company with uh, before she. Um, so that that leads. I, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I think that this scene really highlights a really uh, interesting, like, uh, uh, cultural variation. Uh, because had this been a Western movie, there'd be like the 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 police sequence where they destroyed this man's house searching for her. <laughs> And yeah. in this movie, it's okay. Well, we believe that this guy is actually pretty is is okay. Uh, owing once again to to what you said earlier, Dave, which is everybody is how they're presented. Um, so I just really found it kind of refreshing. Of like, oh no, he just goes and has and interviews him as opposed to mm. like the SWAT team busting down <laughs> some guy's house. Mm. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so yes, um, that, that derailed me. But okay, uh, Kobayashi does he he realizes who they're talking about and goes to mm. interview um, Hori. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the process of which uh, we, we are granted um, insight into Hori's uh, automatic writing and um, r- remote viewing power, who he um, he becomes perturbed but draws a map um, for mm-hmm. Kobayashi. And that leads Kobayashi on a on another chase to figure out where in uh, Tokyo this one specific building is. Um, it takes him a little while, but he does find it. And uh, doesn't really matter. Um, oh, Osawa. He finds the house mm. of Osawa. So I guess I did write it down. Who, yes. Who's apart- it's in an apartment complex, small one, a couple mm. stories tall. But um, they can see his veranda from the parking lot and there are pigeons um and trash there's trash and pigeons um all over the veranda but only on osawa's um porch like mm. nobody else's stuff so they go to yeah. um, visit with him he's not home they come back again and they don't they don't find him no nah. um but it's we're, we're given to understand that he's gone missing yes mm. yeah However, he um, Kobayashi does because he does his due diligence and um, is perfectly fine with checking on neighbors or um, anyone around to see if they've seen whoever he's trying to interview. And um, he finds out a, a little bit of information from uh, from Osawa's neighbor that Osawa has uh, was again sort of like with Kana, I guess, um, mostly well-adjusted, um, but then only recently has been acting strange. And it turns yes. out he had been having arguments with his neighbor, um, with a, a different neighbor in the apartment complex, uh, who also has moved out. So uh, Kobayashi is mm. kind of left with a dead end. He doesn't have uh, Osawa or the neighbor that he had been arguing with. There's, there's no further mm. he can pursue this this line at this time. Um. And then it, uh, I think it would, um, oh, he, this is, I think at this point is when he um, meets again with uh, Marika or he starts meeting with her mm. and, um, fine. Uh, or maybe she contacts him. I think she contacts She does him. because yes. this is with the, the loops, the knots. Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. contacts him because she's been having, uh, uh episodes where she, wakes up in the morning and stuff is strange in her apartment she she didn't do and as far as she knows no one's been there so we get we get a little bit of the paranormal activity set up and kobayashi lends her a um, uh, camcorder to record herself or record the room um, at night when she's sleeping and to see Mm. what happens and Mm. surprise it is marika who has been tying these weird loops um yeah in her own apartment without her knowing herself um and 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 it's a really effective shot it's a it's a single single downward angle shot so you can see clearance over most of her apartment she gets out of bed knocks over a lamp unplugs it and then just walks out of frame through some curtains for a long time and then, <laughs> and then comes back and that's that's the that's the extent of the scary thing it's not somebody mm. like a time lapse of somebody standing in a corner for like five hours but just 
somebody disappearing, clearly sleepwalking, disappearing for like five minutes and then coming mm. back and getting back into bed is is really kind of more effectively <laughs> creepy to me. Mm. Yeah. It is, and there's some strange noises on the video that um, they analyze later and it uh, turns out that he's... Um, Kobayashi is like, have you these weird noises going on? Have you been hearing these? And then she's like, yeah, I've been hearing weird noises on on and off um, coming from upstairs. And so they go upstairs and it's her her upstairs neighbor is one of her coworkers from her acting agency who Mm -hmm. says she hasn't heard any weird noises and she's been feeling fine (laughs) and nothing weird's going on. Um, So they leave it at that. Um, and and the weird noise on the videotape sounds like a voice, and uh, yeah. uh, well, there's there's a knocking noise, and then there's a voice. Yes, yeah. and and she says that the voice sounds like the voice that she heard at the shrine. Yeah, once once it's been analyzed, um, Okabayashi has one of his associates um clean will- up the audio, I think, and and give us um. The cleaned up audio along with the sound of the knocking. Can, mm-hmm. can can I can I just say that the 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 audio engineering guy and his old ninety seven CRT mechanical keyboard computer setup are like some of my favorite things in this movie. <laughs> it's really charming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. And they're showing the um the audio recording equipment and uh or the editing equipment, and it's, it's it's a lot of fun. Yep. But the isolated sound that they um they picked up is uh, words, and it's a uh, kagu taba. Yes, and mm. by itself already sounds kind of spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So of course Kobayashi, being a um a researcher and a documentarian, um does the legwork, and we see. We're, we're, we're like this I, I enjoyed this because we we're given a lot of his uh, uh kind of a insight into his research and and the resources he has at his disposal and, and associates and friends and various universities but uh, mm-hmm. his his search does not prove fruitless and he um at a university i did not write down doesn't matter um he <laughs> uh runs into uh, i guess an associate that um has heard of this word kagutaba and um, has provided uh, old um, Edo period uh, documents, some 200 years old documents that um, have uh, mentions of this Kagutaba and what it may be. Um, so this this turns out to be a, a, a name of a deity um, in the Shimokage village um, in the Tokita County. And it um, originally may have a few of the other people he talked to said that this Kagutaba, uh, while they weren't familiar with the word itself, could have been a, um, I can't think of the phrase of it. Uh, there's another phrase, Gamitama, um, which it mm. could have become, it just could have turned into the name Kagutaba. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it but it, it turns out that this word is the the characters it is composed of because he just has the the audio of Kagutaba. He doesn't know how it's written. Um, but uh, the records show that it is a disaster tool spirit. Um, it's a, a demon um, that can be 
ostensibly can be summoned and controlled to curse somebody else and have disaster fall upon them. So enemies of this Shimokage village um, could have had uh, Kagotaba set upon them to get rid of them. Yes. Is what it kind of mm. boils down to. So what did you guys think about this, the Shimokage village? This was like my favorite bit, I think, when it delves into the, the actual origin of Kagotaba and the folklore behind it and this kind of uh, quaint little village that's caught up in these um, festivals today that they have to perform to appease um, Kagotaba. <laughs> Uh, mm. I don't know if it's annually, but it has to be on a specific schedule because there's things that happen if they're not performed. Mm. <laughs> so, so Dave, you're asking me what I thought about the movie when it turned into Fatal Frame Two: Crimson Butterfly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, because, it, because it just turns into Fatal Frame Two: Crimson but Butterfly. Yeah, it's great. It's a really, it's a really really fantastic sequence um we get we get to see the ritual um mm. performed um which uh we get to so i really like it because it's 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 film footage of the last ritual last time that the ritual was performed because hey guess what the village and the surrounding area is just going to be submerged underwater to create a dam sorry mm. people um um, and, uh, and it's, um, it's just like that little slice of life, just enough of that little slice of life before they cut to, okay, here's the ritual to like summon and banish a demon being performed. <laughs> so it's, um, it's really, it's, it's, it's great. I, I, I love it. I love, I love this kind of like historical, mystical, mm. you know, mm record keeping and film yeah 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 i mean i pretty much agree i really like i really like the character who has all this information it's just one of those <laughs> ev everyone knows someone like this they're like the older guy who loves to like chronicle the family and local history and is like a half step away from owning a museum on their own yes um it's like you know here's here's my great grandfather's collection i've got my grandfather's collection uh we have the last ritual on the 16 millimeter tapes but that's like not a supported method of like information so i've transferred it onto vcr for you yeah um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff it, it's great it's like throughout the film and i know dave you've mentioned this before everyone feels really grounded and realistic and this is one of those further like this is just a normal dude who lives in the area like he's an absolutely normal character who i could believe existing in real life hell it could be that actor's thing in real life is maybe they do this because they sell it really well right um and i also i also really like him because he looks like big friendly guy in sekiro <laughs> <laughs> He's just got the he's just got the big puffy cheeks and yeah. the kind face. He's got he's... the Joe Shishido chipmunk cheeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it and this section as a whole is really it has got that. It's not creepy, but it's just that little off-putting feeling of stepping 
further back in time because it like you said it's set in 2005 it generally feels about that although a little older with the technology that they're using and then you're really stepping into the past in this village where you know everyone's got a dog chained out the front of the house everyone's got a sickle hung over the front door to ward off evil spirits um no one really bats an eye when one of the houses is festooned with like ritual nooses and stuff like that's just that's just how it is a little weird but we won't stop them doing doing it um and if it sells that idea of like yeah these these are the ancestors of this this village of sorcerers who are forced off their land by a a local dam being built it's like yeah we 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 keep the old ways but you know we're transitioning to the 21st century (laughs) not quite there um yeah it, it was really good and this was where everything really came together for me and i sort of felt like I understood how all the various bits of the plot hooked together because, you know, you've got Hori ranting about the ectoplasmic worms and then you've got weird possession story with Marika and you've got the missing child story with Kana. <laughs> it's these all these little subplots that are sort of beginning to fold together here, which is where it should because this is the centre of everything. Uh, well, technically the centre of everything somewhere underwater, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did I enjoyed about the um, when they're showing the ritual footage. So mm. what what it, what it boils down to is they have a sort of sacrificial child. It's like a uh, metaphorically sacrificial child. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then they have a a person designated as um, the avatar of Kagutaba. And they get to wear the spooky mask, um, and they they threaten the child uh, by extension the village well, with disaster. Right, and a head a head priest within the village will basically uh, perform an appeasement ceremony. They have a like a makeshift torii gate, um, and on it is a knotted rope. Um, made mm-hmm. of cloth. Uh, the the priest performs a very specific series of um, bows and claps, and it's uh, it's noted that this part of the ceremony is different from like every other um, shrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they take the sickle that all the villagers have um, as representations of uh, keeping the evil, the demon at bay. And then they sever the knotted rope. Mm. And as reflection of that ceremony, we see when they're looking at all of the, um, the Mikashi community, uh, um, where all the villagers have been resettled to, they have the sickle on like a sort of placard above their door, but it's uh, surrounded by that knotted rope or the knotted uh, cloth that's been cut. Mm. Showing that they're, Cutting the evil, I guess, is that the knotted rope. Um, yeah. And what I was reading into it is the looped ropes, like the loops of rope, are that same uh, cloth, but the knots aren't uh, secured. Oh, okay. Is how I was, like, looking at it. So if the evil is that knotted thing that's, like, uh, it's been contained... Mm-hmm. then the the looped ropes are the uncontained uh demon 
Right. Yeah. So it's a little strange because that's the case. The other villagers, they they view, they say they view. um, uh, So this is uh, Ishii Junko. Junko is the woman that portrayed the um, Kagotaba in the ceremony in the last ceremony in 1978. Yes. Mm. But she's also Fine. the daughter of the head priest, which is the Ichi. Yes. Um, she's moved back to the community after some time away, and um, they regard her um, as being a little off and p- potentially possessed, and they're just kind of not talking about it. Nope. Mm. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> down for talking about her. Yeah, because it's... <laughs> you think they would have done something or try to do something to resolve the possession i guess because she's her house mm. is festooned with these loops which if if that's the case and those are indicative of the kagotaba possession is bad like yep. she's a kagotaba is not sealed away and is not buried under the earth or buried under the lake it's right there with them mm. in the village that part was the only bit where I was like, I don't get what the villagers are doing. Aside, oh. aside from their head priest having passed away. Well, I was I was just about to say, they don't actually really need to care because they have the sickles over their door keeping mm. them safe. So don't yeah, mind. they're they're just like... <laughs> and I guess that could be a theme with the rest of the film is that idea of isolation or self-imposed isolation because if something's gone wrong but you protected yourself from it, then it's fine. Mm -hmm. You're just ignoring the problem in favor of um, (laughs) selfishness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like anathema to the general society at large. Mm. And why they are kind of segregated in their own community and why Hori is segregated himself. He's protecting himself uh, with the idea of that that's all that he needs to do and we get the same speech from kana the small psychic child the like one of the most notable things she says to the camera is that it's probably just too late for everybody and we're all yep. mm. so it's so yep, sort of like this sense of she says before she disappears yeah there's a sense of fatalism <laughs> that like occurs within this thing and that is kind of the curse yeah because this this demon is the embodiment of disaster and it's already it's not locked up it is free disaster is mm. just going to happen right yeah yeah is i think what this film is like about mm-hmm. um so we have uh we we had him do his he's done his research he's talked to the local historian um Marika has been steadily feeling worse. Uh, it, it turns out that her friend, along with um, several other people, it's like seven people in total, and uh, one of those people mm. being Osawa, the guy that yep. um, had an argument, argument with um, Junko, uh, have committed suicide in a park. Yep. Um, Using and, nooses made yes. with the same knot pattern. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the the tree or whatever, not the tree, the equipment they hung themselves with had been festooned with those nooses is what the... Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the intent of the... There's like a news article on them. Um, showed without actually showing. It's very effective. It doesn't show mm. the scene, just shows the aftermath of the scene. 
Yeah, I was about to say, there's like officially one dead body shown in this film, right? Mm. Uh, yes. Okay. Every, everything else is alluded to, which is which also makes this more effective. Right. Because it's not shown outright, you're just meant to like, you're kind of assuming things are worse. I mean, they're they're not good, they're bad, but... Um, <laughs> You're you're mm. given uh, a way to color it with your imagination more than they probably could have done with effects within the film without right. without yeah. pulling you out of it. Like I think yeah. it's just it's just a good technique, um, and yeah. it's definitely that uh, it's sort of the show not tell. Because they're not they're not mm-hmm. using like ex- they're, they're using exposition to give us background. Right, but yeah. using that as a framework to allow the viewer to like make their own assumptions on things. Mm. Um, yes. So Marika has been not feeling well. Uh, she's afraid that she's going to be next because her uh, the conclusion she's come to is that when Hori was warning her about the pigeons, she does. She has another episode um, and finds a bunch of dead pigeons um mm. that it's enough to startle her into thinking that she could potentially be the next victim of whatever's going on because they doesn't right. they don't know um and kobayashi has taken it upon himself he understands this ritual here's what i really enjoyed um and a good example of him allowing his research uh at this point not to cloud his judgment kind of he he's fully mm-hmm. willing to em, to embrace mm-hmm. and try to do something uh that may have no proven effect um but ha- could have a like a psychic effect on someone right so he's telling you or he has marika and hori he takes them to the side of the village that's under it's at the, the lake that is above um the shimokage village and mm. his his posit is that they perform the ritual that uh, the, the last ritual, it's supposed to be, there was supposed to be another one. And the idea is that Kagotaba was upset that they, they're not going to be doing any more rituals. Right. Because mm-hmm. everything's been flooded. Uh, he's like, yeah. well, we'll just go there on a boat and just do the ritual. And that should appease Kagotaba. Like if that, if that's what this is. And also, all signs point to yes, because weird things are happening, and they're there at this point. There's not really any more room for coincidence, I think, in his mind, um, as far as his research, research is showing. So they go out to the lake, and he has Marika perform the ritual to get rid of, to rid her of the possession that she's thinks she's under, mm-hmm. and mm. it appears to work. She says she feels better. Um, however, Hori, uh, does not, <laughs> does not think that that's the case. Um, he's telling them the space worms are coming and mm. they need to just get out of there to get off the mountain, yep. just yep. not be there. It's a bad place. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, um, his, his superpowers, um, become a sort of a downfall because he's able to sense, uh, Kana is nearby and yes. that mm. kind of overrides his, his judgment is never very clear. He's kind of a skittish man. So 
this yeah. it just sends him off on a chase to find Connor because that's what he's become focused on, even though he's telling them to leave. Um, Kobayashi goes along with Hori because, for one, he was he's trying to find Connor anyway, and he realizes he probably shouldn't let this guy run off by himself on a mountain. Like it's yep. not a good idea. because <laughs> um, he's kind of responsible for him. The guy can't really take care of himself. And uh Marika is sent along with the um camera man to uh, go back to the city. Mm. Is what's supposed to happen. Not what thus happens. we hit we hit the, <laughs> the found footage movie climax where the party of one splits into the party of two and you get two horrifying sequences. <laughs> yes. Um oh, probably the most uh, Cameron. <laughs> I thought this was yeah. maybe the most effective bit that the film mm-hmm. delves into. Yeah, I would probably agree. Um warning for dog lovers. This is the most dead dogs I think that have ever been on screen. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, it this sort of chase through the dark, this sudden like rush of tension and adrenaline after this whole film has been sort of this slow, creepy, unsettling build suddenly flashing into motion like this um, is really, really off-putting and really puts you on the back foot and you don't know what's coming because you know you've got the cameraman chasing after Marika uh, eventually, but initially you've got Kobayashi chasing after Hori and things just keep getting off. It's like, what's that on the ground? It's a dead dog. What's that over there? It's another dead dog. Oh God, there's dead dogs everywhere. <laughs> Why are there dead dogs everywhere? Um, oh, here's an old shrine. Is Kana under the old shrine? Who knows? It's a mystery. What's that the camera spotted for th- 0.3 of a second? <laughs> that really creepy shot right there don't know we'll examine that later um incidentally that shot that that split check that split second shot of night vision with the camera is so creepy and weird the one with all the um spoiler all the like the fetuses crawling towards an over kana yep is ooh, ooh, that's a big that's a big bloodborne moment and it's creepy as hell <laughs> Mm. No, it's it's very good. It's definitely very effective. Yeah, it was good enough that I drew fan art of it a while back. I'll have to dig around for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, it's um, it, it's a, it's a horrible or a descent, I guess, into horror. Um, from what this the film has kind mm. of been skirting around, it's been playing with it. Um, it 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 fully believes in like go big or go home. So we get the big payoff. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only are they, so originally all the villagers own the dogs to keep, um, Kagotaba at bay. Mm-hmm. Someone has taken all those dogs and then killed them. Sacrificially. Yeah. Um, and put up yeah. sort of, uh, twine barriers that have been, uh, tied up with um pigeon pigeon legs and feathers mm. and feathers yeah. yes yeah. Uh, cordoning off a specific area um potentially where this ritual this this new um ritual it's a summoning ritual um has occurred and hori is of enough sound mind to <laughs> begin like lambasting <laughs> kobayashi like get away from that like you cannot go in mm. that barrier mm-hmm. like do not you we need to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
he can he can comport himself enough just for that um because in general i mean he 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 can talk um but it's mostly in warnings and just furtive uh motions he's yeah he's very scared mm. but he's in he has <laughs> specific lucid moments of like don't do that thing like we need to go don't touch that <laughs> um and it's enough to convince of course um kobayashi who who just yeah he's like yeah we're not we're not doing that um let's get away from here um, because none of it looks great it's all there mm. it's it's mm. it's frightening um Unfortunately, this episode leaves both uh, Marika and Hori kind of insensate. Um, they are psychically like bombarded, I guess, by the presence of Kagutaba. Um, they're both put into hospital care for a little while. Um, hmm. But that leaves Kobayashi and his, his faithful cameraman to um, do a little <laughs> bit more investigation. Uh, it, he's begun to kind of tie up um, the leads um, regarding uh, Ishijunko, and it turns out that all the places mm. and the people he's talked to that have had disaster befall them have, in one way or another, interacted directly with um, Ishijunko. Yep. Um, mm. And he himself has interacted with her without knowing who she was um, previously. Um, yeah. And both times were uh, uh, she, she's a vehement woman and um, uh, it's just like sc- screaming at people and himself mm. when he tried to interview her. Um, <laughs> so he takes the, he goes to her back to her house because it's, it's the one spooky point and the place that has like the most uh, <laughs> suspicion um, regarding it. And uh, they, we, we were treated to like a five minute scene of, nerve-wracking scene of him exploring the interior of this like super dilapidated and in no way safe um house oh yeah Um, big 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 squalor house is is what was was my my mental note like "Mm, yep just like every everywhere else this lady's been just trash yeah and and another dead dog (laughs) Yes. Yep. Um, and it, it turns out that through his research, he's found that um, Ishijunko, when she left the village originally, when it was um, put underwater, uh, she she left to get her um, a medical degree. And then she mm. became an employee of a, um, it's not an obstetrician, uh, or I think it, it, it's an obstetrician. It's a clinic, a clinic where they do abortions. Yeah. yeah. And um, she was in charge of disposing of the uh, aborted um, uh, embryos. Mm. Yes. Uh, which the, because of the time limit that they had been performing abortions up until, I think it was 20, 22 weeks. 20. 20 weeks. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's, mm. it's way past yeah. when you're supposed to do abortions. So um, it was illegal mm. practice. Um, the place shut down in 2002, I think, um, or 2000. And mm, 2000. Uh, she, she was purported, she was a, a serious worker. Um, she was focused only on her work, but there were misgivings from the other employees that perhaps she had not been disposing of the um, embryos properly and may have been collecting them in her house. Yep. For some horrible reason, which we find out, and it's not good. Um, 
our our good buddy um, Kobayashi goes back to his uh, his folklorist <coughs> friend, and uh, this is where he he brings out the scroll, the two hundred year old scroll that has um, a depiction, um, an illustrated depiction of the specific um, uh, way, uh, the Kagotaba way of the Shimohage village. The yes. ritual mm. used to summon, not the one to put him away, but the ritual used to summon um, Kagotaba and set him upon mm. your opponents. And it is it is a horrible ritual. Um, there is a, a, a psychic medium used to uh, invoke mm-hmm. or be possessed by um, Kagotaba. And mm-hmm. they use um, monkeys, baby monkeys. Yes. Um, they, they sacrifice the baby monkeys and feed them to the medium yep. and mm. in this way evoke um, Kagotaba. Yeah. Junko has through her possession by Kagotaba um, reenacted this ritual using Kana as the medium and theoretically using the aborted embryos as um, replacement for the baby monkeys. Yes. Mm. Yeah, feeding them to Kana to create Kagotaba. Yeah. Uh, So those are all the ectoplasmic worms is the weird little smushed fetus faces. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's what I was, that's what I got from it. Yep. Um, Mm. Oh, uh, by the way, the entire um, length of this film, uh, there have been instances where people have been reviewing uh, footage that Kobayashi has taken and or he's showing to someone and mm. the footage he's been recording in specific instances has been digitally infected um, by mm. those worms. And it's, uh, I mean, the, 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 the CG they're using is a little hokey, but the intent of it <laughs> is very um, effective. Mm. Yes. Because it's, oh, yeah. it's just these Kagotaba yeah. embryo faces, like, glitching into the screen. And it's, mm. yeah. um, like, I, I, I watched this um, on my phone, so... It's yep. very, very close to my face. <laughs> it's quite a yep. bit more effective, I think, than watching this on a larger screen, just because I'm holding mm. the screen and going, well, I can't like look away because it's in my hands. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> but yeah, so, so pro tip, watch this late at night. It's great. It's great for before you go to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, we have the potential results of this ritual um the uh, the entire time that junko is referred to is she's always um not she's not by herself she's in these different apartments in different places um always with mm-hmm. a uh, seven to nine year old like a young child yeah like, a little, young like five or six yeah five or six. i don't remember what the age was. it was a little kid um mm-hmm. and when kobayashi is investigating her house um, well, he, he, it, the interior of the house begins more and more to look like the scene of a ritual. Yep. And eventually, um, he runs into Junko, who has ritually mm-hmm. hung herself with the loops um, in her room. I don't know. Uh, yep. Like a shrine. It's like a makeshift shrine area. Mm-hmm. And he finds Kana and the other child. Um, yes. Kana has, uh, unfortunately, think she has just passed away um, yes but the, mm. the boy is alive and um 
just like uh, he's mute, just talk. Mm. Um, mm. So the the discovery of Kana and um, it, it kind of wraps up that arc. This really finishes the movie as far as he is involved in making this documentary. Yes. Um, and we even get like a credit scene. Like there's a little bit of, um, you know, directed by blah, blah, and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then we get mm. an epilogue. Um, <laughs> and, and some of this epilogue is going, is going to explain, it ex- takes the time to explain what potentially happened to Kana um, and what may have happened to Kobayashi. Because from the beginning of this, we learned that he had disappeared um, upon creating this documentary. Yes. <laughs> then and he then, disappeared yeah. and had his wife was found dead in the burnt remains of their house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the the boy who he adopted after this um, has uh, there's no real mention of him. He's gone missing as well. And uh, Hori has been found. He had, had been confined to that um, hospital. He escaped uh, and then was found later uh Junji Itoed into a duct. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was probably the spooky like I, uh, any single image that was the most disturbing. Uh, yeah. Of what this uh, deals with. It, I think it's because it's the only one. It's the only like explicit image like that in in the in the entire mm. film. Well, so we, we did see Kana pass away, but she's just uh, cold, cold and pale. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, but Not yeah, like, he Hori is like he's <laughs> stuffed, and you see mm. his face, but his foot is next to his head, like he's just been contortedly jammed into a event, or yeah, um, had been trying to hide from something and didn't make it. Yeah, because he has a habit of trying to crawl backwards into things um, to get away from stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's yeah, it's a it's a horrible end for a, the strongest psychic in the world in the, in the country. Mm. But we get footage. The last bit of footage um, arrives to uh, Kobayashi's uh, production company. Yeah, and uh, they this is some time after his disappearance. Um, they had previously um, they had just found his burnt house with his wife's body. Um, Hori found Hori's body in a vent. The child is nowhere to be found, nor is uh, Kobayashi, and they they get a delivery, and it's um, at first I was like it's a head in a box, but no, it was a. Um, <laughs> I I also thought it was a head yeah. in a box. Absolutely thought that was going to be it. <laughs> Curse you seven, um, but uh, no, it's a it's a it's a their big camcorder um, with a uh, um, high eight or whatever the. Uh, TBA tape um, is in it, and uh, it has the the last moments um, uh, of the uh, Kobayashi household, where they had mm-hmm. been um, uh, Masafumi and his wife were just they'd been having dinner, you know, just general um, pleasant time with the mute child, and uh, Hori mm-hmm. shows up having escaped from the hospital um, with the intent um, because he now knows. Uh, exactly where um, Kagotaba is, and he uh, is going to prevent the disaster. Yep. As he sees it. Yeah. With a rock. As you do. Mm. 
Yeah. So he is trying to crush the child with a, a small rock in his hand. Yep. Um, this, of course, does not go over well with uh, um, mm. the Kobayashis. And um, they they try to save the kid. Um, the kid is sort of bludgeoned. And we're, we're given an idea of the, the mask we've been seeing for um, Kagotaba is... It's a sort of it's a, it's a human face, but as you mentioned, it like has it's been dis- distorted a little bit. Um, mm. It has a horn and it's a, a lumpy skull, and it's kind of offset. Like the eyes aren't quite lined up, and the jaw is not quite lined up. Um, it, the, it go ahead. It looks it looks like the if if you've seen Princess Mononoke, kind of looks like the mm. four spirits. <laughs> Uh, yes, so it looks like the um, Kodama, and it also may uh, reflect a twisted Magatama. So that's the the, the, the jewels um, yes. that look like a teardrop shape, or a, a comma, sorry. Um, mm. uh, you could read it that way with the horn as the um, the inversion of the <coughs> drilled hole in a, um, a Magatama jewel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be drawing from that. It's like a sort of perversion mm. of that sort of holy symbol. Um, but the bludgeoning that's been done to the boy's face renders him like the Kagutama mask. Yes. And, and it, it, it briefly overlays him. But even when it goes away, his, you know, the, the blood-covered face is still a representation of it. The, the, right. the mask itself is yeah. like it's it's red but in places flesh colored so you could read into it like it's a blood covered face right hmm. um and the kid still not saying anything um and basically possesses both uh hori and um the uh, miss kobayashi uh getting her to self-immolate um and hori to abduct him and knock out and also uh <laughs> masafumi yes yeah at which point the film ends like actually yep <laughs> credits roll um it's ambiguous we do not know what happened to kobayashi other than this this little snippet of a tape um we know what happened to his wife mm. and hori the child is gone so kagotaba is somewhere out there doing something and kobayashi is probably dead um this could have been sent posthumously mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. um we're, we're it's completely open um so there's like there's nothing to even kind of grasp on to think about what he could possibly have been doing or is he possessed to, i don't know it, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a good way to leave it because it uh it's utterly open you get yep. you get the idea of what happened. Kagotaba is out at large. He's fully incarnated into this child, um, and as Kana says, the world is doomed. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. As as far as like the the entity of Kagotaba, I the idea of this personification of disaster that could be weaponized or or Mm -hmm. has been in the past weaponized by this village um i think it's really intriguing uh that 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 he chose like this angle it's a little bit more um 
it's the mm. village kind of like they've been doing this for a long time, but they're still it's a dangerous thing that they're doing. Mm. And it appears to have paid off in the past, but because it is unable to be maintained, like these rituals require maintenance Mm. and they can't do it. So it's gone awry. Like horrendously. So, um, but there, there's this sense of like fatalism about the film and, through its uh, the, the general people that we encounter in the movie, that um, it kind of uh, it makes sense, sort of given how you know, since this movie was in two thousand five, like events that were going on and like the economy had never really been uh, recovered, uh, and then of mm-hmm. course we find it two thousand eight. You know, the other events happen that make everything worse. Um, so. Yes, these constant ideas of disaster, and, and generally they're natural disasters. The, the 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 flooding of the dam is a man-made one, but there's still earthquakes, um, hurricanes, the tidal waves. All these things are something that are not controllable. So the idea that you could take a measure of control back and use, and, and well, in their case, they're using it to inflict you know horrible things on other people to benefit mm. yourself is like really intriguing and i'm surprised that i i haven't run into another movie that does this the way this does or deals with like this topic in this specific manner i don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have no i can't think of anything off the bat but i, I wish that mm. the um another film or even the director had gone further to like talk about this again or maybe reframe it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an interesting topic, and this stuff I think is more. Um, as we mentioned, the movie the effects are fine, uh, by and large. Um, it's it's filmed the way it is, and it's easy to watch, and you can still relate to everything. But I think the contents of it, as with um, uh, Kurosawa's uh, Pulse, uh, become more relevant the longer that we go. Mm-hmm. Like I think at the time this, like I hadn't heard about this, um, and like that, that, that doesn't that doesn't mean a whole lot. I'm not, not aware of everything, but um, <laughs> mm. uh, it it became, as far as I'm aware, something more recent uh, of a notable film, and I think that has by and large to do with the state of things as they exist now, and sort of the. The social and political and environmental climate suit this film, or the film suits it, uh, more so than it would have done in 2005. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the relevance of it, um, uh, regardless of the the monster of Kagotaba, um, is increasingly more valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I think, mm. would be... Part and parcel of why, like I would, say, this is a, it's a, it's a, it has value and it's a recommendable film, um, and well worth watching multiple times. Um, I yes. oh, yeah, there's so yeah. many little things that, that occur that you just in, in a two hour film that you just don't have the time in one viewing to like parse. Um, right, but looking at this again, uh, I, I would go back. I don't know annually just to just to kind of like take a look at this and see. 
if there's more value, like if it increases in, in its value as a, as a piece of media. Mm. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, the, the full core in this does evoke, it, it's pulling on, um, not it's not just the cultural tones, but other sort of media, uh, like with um, Fatal Frame, and then there's another uh, Siren. Um, yeah, that that, yep. that mm-hmm. folk horror, that specific type res- is resonant with within this film, um, and it's it's effective. And those those franchises um, do more in showing uh, the immediate horror of the situations, and right. this is less the immediate but the potential for horror that it holds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I... I think it's really commendable that there's there's like a a a secret you know somewhat secret cult village uh, <laughs> featured in this film that at no point has a group of villagers with like sickles or, or or and torches on film anywhere because you know that's hokey. It's just the uh, the 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 overlaying implication yeah. that everybody here in all of these houses are on the exact same page, and they don't need to show it. It's just there. Mm. Well, and it's the same thing with Kagotaba. Um, Kagotaba is not a, mm, with a few exceptions, it's not an immediate threat. It's an existential threat. Yes, the the villagers are threatening in their complicity and their um, allowance of this thing to happen because that's what, that's what they're doing. They're, they're mm. ignoring it in favor of their own protection for themselves. Right. Uh, but that makes this whole thing scarier than had they been active antagonists um, toward Kobayashi. Right. So the, the, our, our stand in for this um, is not under direct threat from, the village but from the the idea and concept of what like the village represents and how it um has chosen in the past to weaponize a thing that probably should have been better left buried right Mm. it's like they they dug too deep let the thing out (laughs) and then just like ignored it which is scarier than actively trying to do something about it right that is true. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Um, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to? Any personal things you wanted to cover on this? I, I've exhausted. I think <laughs> anything I wanted to say. Um, oh yeah, there personally. is there is there is one uh, kind of important point um, is that uh, uh, Marika just seems to get away fine. Like she her after her her post ritual attack she seems there's no other mention given to anything else so she seems to be okay mm. it felt like she was kind of written out of the narrative toward the end she's like yeah she was in the hospital and that's it yeah there's like one last like little bit of footage of her like hanging out with some people on a variety show and getting ready to eat <laughs> and then that and then she's out of the movie and I just yep. wrote that as, and I just wrote that off as, oh, and she's fine. <laughs> yeah, she escaped. <laughs> well, she put, she, I mean, she performed the ritual, so that potentially right. was what mm. freed her from that, aside from her little episode in the car. And that may have just been her, like, 
recognizing and then being in being influenced psychically because her power didn't go away um, by right. the mm-hmm. ritual that um, Junko had completed. Right. Because yeah. we don't we don't get a timeline for that, but it, it seemed to be occur fairly simultaneously. And, yes. and we know that Kana had um, passed away like slightly before them showing up at the house. Mm-hmm. Like she mm-hmm. was still alive when Hori was searching for her, I think. Yeah. Cameron, anything on your end? Uh, it's a good film. You should watch it. Um, I feel the experience is improved by watching it at a lower resolution. Uh, so if you, like me, can only find a 40p version, don't balk at watching this film. It's still really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because this is generally relying on um, the, the, its practical effects, but there's some the digital manipulation um the, mm. the less clear that is, the better it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and like I said, I watch this on my phone. It's uh, it's it's um, this is uh, streaming on for free on the well, you have to subscribe, but it's um, the Shutter service um, has this, and it's probably one of the mm. few places you can actually watch it in general without having to purchase the, the DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that wraps us up for Noroi. Um, I I enjoyed this episode, and I will watch this movie again. Um, probably give it a little while. Uh, it's I think it's it has effects. Like <laughs> as I watched this super late at night, and I it's just um, it sits with you for a little while. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and being able to kind of break down and discuss maybe the whys of that. Um, uh, it's, it's important. Um, uh, and and you listeners, um, if you have the chance to, to watch this, um, send us like comments. Um, if if mm. we have misread something or if you have something that's uh, uh, maybe an equally valid viewpoint, like let us know. I'm totally down with discussing this more um, even outside of the podcast format. Uh, mm. Yeah, that will wrap us up for this episode. Um, Cameron, where can folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come join me for more tales of terror from the roach-filled wasteland that is my country. <laughs> um, and Leonard, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Dr. Faust is dead. You can also find me on YouTube at uh, also uh, by searching Dr. Faust is dead. I make videos on video game narratives every so often. Just released one like two months ago. It's pretty good. At least my mom tells me that it is. Um, So you should check it out. It is called Why You Should Play The Evil Within 2. It's fun. Um, And Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. It will be in the notes as always, as will the other links to the various and sundry places we can be found. Um, Cameron also co-hosts another podcast. What is that other podcast, Cameron? Yes, sorry, I did entirely forget I did that for. Um, I'm on a show called Realm. Any of the games brand, tabletop products, Warhammer Forty Thousand, Age of Sigma, uh, Lord of the Rings, Battle Companies. 
and the various subversions of all of those, uh, come check us out. We post uh, about once a fortnight or so, uh, and we are swiftly approaching the end of the year, which means always exciting things to chat about. Yes, and that is oh, Roman God. ruin because it cut out a little bit. Yes. Um, Sorry. Yeah, that will, that's fine. <laughs> uh, that will be us for this time, and we will see you next time for Dark Crystal. I don't know. Well, um, I think yeah, it's, coming like that. it's coming up. It's coming up sometime soon. It's coming up. All right, folks. <laughs> bye bye. Later. Ciao.